have I in heaven but thee? <laughs> All right, so we have reached the point in our study of systematic theology. Of course, I'm using as a launching point John's, John Frame's systematic theology. And we are on the last point about the acts of God. Um, we've talked about miracles. We talked about providence, which, what's the difference? Well, miracles are the extraordinary acts whereby God manifests himself as Lord. Providence is the ordinary acts of God, where we see God doing all things, working all things according to his, uh, I forgot how it goes, according to his will. <laughs> uh, so we have miracles, we have providence, and we have creation. That was the specific act. All of them manifest him as Lord. All of them show his control, show his authority. All the lordship attributes show his presence. Now we're going to deal with some controversy. And I want to say that right out the bat, so if you want to put on some boxing gloves and we'll fight this and duke this out or whatever. I want to talk about where are the things? There they are. The decrees of God. Decrees. What do I mean by decrees? Well, what we mean by decree is that God has done all he has done with a plan. That he has determined a plan to go forward. And this means that everything that you and I were talking about, whether it be miracles, the extraordinary things, whether it be providences, that's the ordinary things, or creation, that's the special act of God in bringing all things into existence. It was the product of thought. We have some heresies that we need to avoid. You're out of your normal seat. Oh. This is unbaptist of you uh, to switch seats. Got to get some energy. Yeah. But now you moved and I can't preach in that direction. What am I going to do? So there are some heresies that we want to avoid when we're considering God. And really they're kind of related. Who's ever heard of this idea of open theism? What is, anybody know what open theism is? All right, let me tell you. <laughs> open theism is a belief 
that God does not know what is going to happen. That he is just as surprised as you and I. And why do people believe in open theism? And this is, this is things that are really out there where we can't really, we can see how it gets muddled. Uh, and I'm not saying that human liberty does not exist, and, and, and I don't think anybody really would. But if, if, if someone says, if you believe in something called libertarian freedom, libertarian, that's not a party, uh, a political party, but if you believe in libertarian freedom, then God cannot know what's going to happen. That's basically their argument. So God doesn't know. God did not know when he created what was going to happen in the garden, what was going to happen in the fall, what was going to happen uh, in your life and, and, uh, and the lives of our ancestors. He, he didn't know as the, as the process of time goes forward what's going to happen. So this God, has, this God is not, doesn't have a plan, hasn't, hasn't thought things out, Everything is God responding to this happened. Okay, oh man, uh, Adam fell. Now what am I going to do? Okay, I'm going to give them a savior. <laughs> uh, okay, this person did this. Oh, now what am I going to do? Okay, and they picture God as someone who is simply reacting. Now, is he wise? They will say he's wise. He's all wise. What that means, though, doesn't it doesn't necessarily. Um, translate into what you and I would understand as, as omniscience, but they say God is not omniscient. So that's open theism. There is another related heresy that comes from a from a, trying to, kind of a marriage between uh, Christianity and and Friedrich Hegel, the philosopher, and that's called Process theology. Process theology is this idea that God is learning. God is growing. God is becoming uh, more aware of things. And he is uh, developing. Um, If you're familiar at all with Hegel's philosophy, it was kind of the proto uh, evolution. It, it was evolution before there was evolution, at least in the ideal world, where, where, uh, where, where, where he presented what was uh, to answer the problem of evil and other things. He introduced what's called a theodicy, whereby he's defending God by saying God is developing and learning and growing as he goes, and one day God's going to be as smart as we are, apparently. So, so the, these are some ideas, and these are some false ideas of God that people have purported. That is not the God of the Scriptures. The God of the Scriptures is a God that has decreed what will be. Now, this is where it gets hard, because you and I do believe in things like liberty, uh, uh, freedom, things of that. But our God, whatever our understanding of that is, God, when he created and when he did all of his acts in time, did it with purpose, did it with thought, 
and did it with efficacy. He had a plan. It was the result of thought. He had distinct purposes in his mind, and those purposes are what governs him as what we have seen in Providence. What, what are we seeing in Providence is this. He is upholding all things, or the, the word is Pharaoh. He is carrying all things towards an end. He has a purpose, and that purpose is unfolding through history. So that's, that's one, of those, uh, one of those great uh, problems that you and I have when we're, when we're going through this is, is understanding how the purposes of God allow you and I to have freedom and make choices, but yet God is still carrying all things towards an end. That's that great friction of the Calvinism, Arminianism. Arminian debate. Uh, and I'm not trying to solve those at all, but what I'm trying to do is we need to understand and we need to see God first as scriptures declare him to be. One that is doing all things for his own glory. One that is acting, doing all things according to his great wisdom. There's, there's, According to frame here, he, there is thought behind all that God does. He's planned these things. And the question then is, is when did he make his decrees? Does the Bible tell us when God made his decrees? What? Yeah, it's in there. It's in there. Uh, so if you were to look at it from an open theism, when does he decree anything to be? When, when, when does he decide things? Well, he decides things in the moment. Uh, such a, uh, this, or open theism, or uh, not just open theism, but process theology. He is a God that's simply reacting. Well, Tina decided to do this, so now I'm going <laughs> to do this. As if he is not truly governing things towards his own ends and purposes that he had decided beforehand. So when did he decide to do th- to do to make his decrees? He made, made his decrees before the foundation of the world. The word before. Now you and I don't understand this because you and I are not eternal. <laughs> yeah, we're, 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 we, we have such a small, tiny view of things and I don't understand how an omniscient God, an eternal God, an infinite God acts. And I think that's really part of the problem with the friction between Calvinism and Arminianism is we're trying to take our little tiny mind and understand God. (laughs) And if we could understand it, we would be God. But what we want to do is we want to base what we believe about God on what the scriptures actually say about him. So... So in, in so when we're talking about his decrees, what we're trying to do is we're trying to ascertain just that biblical data that we have. Um, turn, if you will, to uh, one of Jimmy's favorite scriptures, First Timothy chapter one. First Timothy chapter one. This is the God we believe in. All the T's go together, and I'll find them eventually. First, Second Thessalonians, First, Second Timothy, Titus—they're all in alphabetical order. 
1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. Paul breaks forth into stoxology and says, Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. This Pharaoh, this carrying all things towards his purpose, end, is because he is only wise. The only wise God has chosen his own purposes in all things. Uh, Let's look at another doxology. Romans chapter 11, just a few pages back. Romans 11, and I want you to understand the context of Romans 11. What is Romans 11 about? Well, it's about the history of Israel, the judgment of Israel, the eventual salvation of Israel. So we're, 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 not, we're not talking about abstract ideas here. We're talking about... God's real acts in history. And when it all comes to a conclusion, Paul breaks forth in song where he says in verse 33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? And who has been His counselor? Or who is first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him, and through him, and to him, that's all ideas of ultimate purpose, are all things, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the God you and I believe in. And whatever, whatever theology, or however you come to understand ideas of free human decisions and things like that, and I'm not trying to, uh, trying to press a theology on anybody, but we have to believe in this kind of God whose acts in history are based upon His purposes. We, get, we, 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 we understand that when, when we have a right frame of mind about the trials and tribulations that you and I are going through. Where in our moments of clarity we say... Well, God has his reasons. I would hate to have times of trials and times of tribulation in which I am unable to say that my God is in control. Can you, can you imagine the comfort we are giving, giving up when we are saying, well, God is not only wise. And what's happening to me right now has nothing to do with him carrying all things towards its purpose. Yeah. He has his reasons for what you're going through. You, you, you give up so much comfort when you try to say, well God, well, God just really didn't know, and he's just as surprised about this as I am. <laughs> and, uh, and he's going to help me out, though, because he's strong. Uh, no, when we say God has a reason for this, And God has a reason for that. We're not only speaking biblically, 
we are speaking in the most comforting words possible about our trial. God has a plan. God knew it was going to happen to us before it happened. And God had a reason for it happening. And there is an end. Well, we talked about that in James, uh, James chapter 5. You have seen the, the patience of Job. And you have seen the end of the Lord. The end or the goal of the Lord. How God is gracious and merciful. Amen. So, so uh, God has a plan. So that's what we're going to call, that's what we call the doctrine of decrees. This is a biblical doctrine that we want to understand. We want to understand it the best we can because we're not God. But God has made decisions. He has established his purposes. And we're comforted by those purposes. Romans 8.28, by the way, is one of the most comforting verses in the Bible, right? You all remember what Romans 8.28 says, right? All things work together for good to them who are to them who love God, to them who are the called according to His purposes. Purpose, yeah. Sorry. Thank you for the correction. I will be upset about it all day. He, he corrected me publicly. <laughs> like, like, uh, now I'm mad. Purposes. According to His purpose. So, um, there's a couple different models, and John Frame has made a decision about them, and they have to do with how does this look. When we're talking about a model for understanding decrees and how that fits in with human freedom, uh, you have uh, the teacher model. which John Frame disagrees with, and I'm not trying to press theo a specific theology on you, but what does a teacher do? You have all these students, and they are controlling the classroom. That doesn't mean the kids don't act up, <laughs> right? Start spitting spit wads. Like in eighth grade, there was this, there was this girl, she had big, big poofy hair, and we would spit spit wads into it that was awful and i still feel terrible about it now today uh but it doesn't mean that we are that the kids aren't misbehaving the kids aren't exercising their liberty but there is a teacher controlling the classroom we'll call this the teacher model uh or and this is what ultimately frame is going to is going to uh advocate for and if you want to take issue with it, you can. Is the author, does it have an O in it? Yes, the author model, the author character model. That what we're reading about when we're reading history or even about our own lives, it's a story written by God. And without compromising his, the creature integrity, God has, God has, is controlling the story. 
He's controlling the narrative. There's a lot philosophically about this idea of narrative, especially in postmodern philosophy. Uh, it's all there, the idea that there is no meta-narrative, there is no all-encompassing truth, all-encompassing story. This model says there is. Say that again, I couldn't hear you. Yeah, yeah, and and it'll accomplish that which he set it out to do and things of that nature. So, so this idea that God has written the narrative. Now, we are creatures. We are characters in, that, in, in God's narrative. But ultimately, God has, from the beginning to the end, made the determination. Now, I'm not trying to press a theology on you. I'm just saying that these are models um, that people will, will talk about when they're talking about the decrees of God. So, so uh, under the decrees, we, we, we consider we're, we're not going to look at really new data, especially when we're looking at providence, this idea that God is carrying all things towards an end. We're not looking at new data, but we're trying to understand that from the mind of a God that has set purposes in those things. I want to share with you, um, and if you want to take issue, these are the words of men, but uh, just a couple uh, uh, famous confessions. Uh, Westminster's longer catechism, the Westminster's shorter catechism. Uh, it says, God's decrees are the wise, free, and holy acts of the counsel of God's will, whereby from all eternity He has... For his own glory, unchangeably foreordained whatsoever to come, comes to pass in time, especially concerning angels and men. That's the Westminster Longer Catechism. The Shorter Catechism, that's the one written for kids 400 years ago, said this. It says, The decrees of God are his eternal purpose according to the counsel of his will, whereby he for his own glory has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. We, you and I are always going to have trouble trying to figure this out. This I, now, is this the language of Scripture? That's what we have to ask ourselves. Um, turn to Psalm 135. I think we've looked at this before, and we, we could look at a hundred different places, really. And really, this is, this is uh, the Psalm. This is the Romans 8.28 of the... Uh, of the Old Testament is Psalm 135 for I verse 5 for I know that the Lord is great that our Lord that our Lord is above all gods what whatsoever the Lord pleased that did he in heaven and on earth and in the seas and all the deep places it's universal right there's not a place where he is not doing as he has pleased or as he has determined or as he has willed or, or whatever, or Revelation 4.11, uh, Debbie's favorite, right? Uh, this idea that for his pleasure we are created. 
causeth vapor. And then he gets into the very basic things uh, from, from the acts of the things in nature to the things in history like, the, like uh, Egypt and all those things. What are ideas of him doing what he is pleased? That's the language of Scripture. We may not always figure out how that fits, but we can't say, well, my God just doesn't know. My God hasn't made plans. Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, this is this is not part of what God is. God has chosen for me, or what, what, whatever language we have. Like uh, there, there is a few other things. As long as you're in Psalm, um, well, let's. let's uh, I want to get ahead of myself. Uh, the word decree itself is not really something that we find in the Bible, but this is traditionally what we call the doctrine. There are a couple notable exceptions whereby the word decree is used. One is in Psalm 148, in verse 6, where the word decree or its equivalent, uh, depending on how it's translated. Uh, Psalm 148, verse 6, go back to verse 5, Happy is he that hath God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keeps truth forever. And then goes on and says, which executes judgment and oppress. A God that is actively involved, that word keeping truth there, is this, is this idea of decreeing. Uh, Psalm 2 is the more famous one. Uh, and these are good to look at just because they're establishing something about God. Um, that, that is true. Here, a messianic psalm, Psalm 2, in verse 7, where he says, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give the heathen for thine inheritance. Talking about the ultimate conquering of the Messiah. He begins it with his words. I declare the decree, or the decree that is made. And, and, and by the way, the, the word decree is a very good word because it gives you the idea, who makes decrees? Who? Kings, yes. A kings make decrees, and God is king. So that language is... A king decrees. That language is inherent there in Psalm 2. The kings of the earth set themselves. The rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. But he laughs at them and says, I'm going to declare to you the decree. You see how the language fits. They thought that they were in charge. right? They thought that they could break God's bands, but he has declared something to be. He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Love. Or going back to 1 Timothy 1.17, unto the King Eternal. He's not, he's, not, he's not King Mortal or King Finite. He is King Eternal. He is King uh, uh, Immortal. So the word decree is a very good word here to describe this doctrine because we're talking about his kingship. As long as you're in Psalm, we have a lot of data here to look at. Psalm 33. Psalm 33 and verse 11. And I 
if you can take time always to look at the context, but uh, we're not going to get anywhere if we if we get into the context of ever all these passages. So I leave them to you. But he says in verse eleven, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. What are we talking about here? We're talking about this. That's, that's the same language that we just saw in Romans 11. Who has been his counselor? Who's told him what to do? No, he in, his own, in the counsel of his own heart has determined. There in the context were all the things that was talking about in Romans 11. This is a very comforting, this is a very exalting uh, doctrine. And so it's important that we don't uh, set it aside. Uh, so not only, not only are they, uh, in Psalm 33, we talk about the efficacy of, of what, he is, what he has counseled, what his thoughts, what his plans were. They are efficacious. His word will accomplish what he set it out to do. But the universality of it is seen in Isaiah 46, where he says this, I am God, there's no good, there is no one like me. I declare the end from the beginning. What does he mean, I declare the end from the beginning? It's this. He's written the narrative already. And praise the Lord. I'm not writing the story of my own life, right? <laughs> uh, not saying I'm not, I don't have freedom and I'm not making decisions and I'm not doing what I want and, uh, and I'm not making plans and we're not talking about that side of the doctrine yet. But he has made plans for me. Yeah, yeah, he's outside of time. Uh, we, we, can you figure that one out? <laughs> yeah, you see... He sees it, he said, and he's declared it, the end, from the beginning. From the ancient times, things not yet done. And he says, my counsel will stand. That's a universal idea. There in Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Those are universal ideas. There's no point. There's no maverick atom in the universe that's just doing its own will. It's writing its own story. Right? God has declared. Now, like I said, there, there's other sides to this doctrine that we still got to figure out, but we can't believe less than what the Scriptures say. That my God has decreed. He's king. Yeah. And what did he say then? What, what's that? What's that famous verse that's written on everybody's, uh, uh, or written on a lot of people's, they hang it up in their house and stuff. I know the plans I have made for you. Uh, we, we, we get that context uh, because he's, they were in captivity and he was telling them to settle down and, and, and enjoy their captivity, I guess. <laughs> he said, but I know the plans I have for you. And that, 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 that text is, I'm sorry, I interrupted Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he had plans for him, and he still does. And he's got. And so that those words are much more comforting than we know. Uh, I know the plans I have made for you. Um, 
so there, it, it's, it's efficacious, efficacious or powerful. It works. It does His will perfectly. But it's universal. There is no point. There is no matter. There is nothing that's going on in your life that's not under His control and part of these decrees. And what I want you to do, just get the, get the uh, comfort out of that this morning. He's your Lord. He's your King. This is what He has for you. Amen. He does. So, here's some of the words that you're going to run into in Scripture. And they're translated differently. Uh, Old Testament, New Testament as well. And I'm not, I'm not up on my Hebrew. I'm going to work on it soon, though. But uh, the, the word plan, the word counsel, uh, comes from etza. Purposes. Uh, that's Makshabath, God has purposes. He does what He pleases. That's kafetz. In the New Testament, we have words that you're going to constantly run into, like will or counsel, that come from the, the word boule. Uh, will and intention comes from words like the Greek words like thelema. Uh, pleasure or good pleasure, uh, which has the same idea as eudokia. That's this idea of of planning as well, a good end, a good, uh, a good thought towards an end, uh, purpose like prothesis, um, pro, pra, ar, ismas, I always pronounce that, uh, that's for ordination, uh, prognosis, we get that from, we get that in, uh, in medical language today, foreknowledge, God knew, is it a comfort to you sometimes that God knew you, in a sense, before he even created the world? Before he even created you? In a certain sense, he were already an object of his mercy? That you were already an object of his grace? Or as that famous song a few years ago, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind? <laughs> that, that's, that's because... Of all these ideas, will, intention, planning, pleasure, uh, all, all these foreknowledge, the sampling of uh, passages, could, we could go on all day just looking at these truths. Most famously, first, or not first, but first Ephesians, Ephesians 1, the first chapter of Ephesians. <laughs> uh, what does he say? chosen before the foundation of the world he did his good will he according to his good pleasure these are that's the language of the scriptures god's plans eternal he has an eternal plan look 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 just and we we i don't even know what time it is uh, we got about 5 minutes and then we'll quit but uh first Corinthians chapter 2. Just want to look at this from a much more uplifting light. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained. You see the language. 
When did he ordain it? Before the, found, before the world unto our glory. Is that not comforting to you? This is the wisdom of God. This is the decrees of God. When did, he, when did he make these decrees? Before the world. And then he goes on where he says, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. His, his is eternal. What he has decreed is eternal. We, 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 we rightly talk about in the doctrine of decrees his eternal decrees <clears throat> now that does not mean that he has not determined certain things to be temporary even in law I mean uh, we, we saw that with di- you could apply that about anything you know dietary laws just seem to change all throughout the Bible <laughs> uh, praise the Lord for it because now I can eat a ham sandwich later uh, when the, when the Jews couldn't, uh, and uh, but Noah could, but Adam couldn't. <laughs> like those things have uh, been temporary. But but the plan by which He ordains these things, these temporary states, are nevertheless in accordance with this. His ultimate goal, His ultimate plan, the things that He is carrying towards that end that He has marked out. There he has an immutable plan. He showed that in the very beginning. Okay, Adam sinned, now let me reveal my plan to you. (laughs) There's going to be a seed of the woman, and it's going to bruise the head of the serpent. Amen? it's, It's been immutable, it didn't change. And it's been played out through the ages. It's happened as he has said. That, that's this is this is wonderful. Um, although he wills for things, uh, frame says to change in history, his plan for such change hasn't changed. <laughs> Amen. He's he's not caught by surprise. We saw that in James, James one seventeen. There is in him no variableness, nor shadow of turning. Every good why and what do we base that on now? Well, what do we learn from that? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. That's the, the, and, and he is saving people according to his will, James went on to say. Yep. Yeah, so our will is—I mean, our will is not—it's uh, not cast out, cast aside in believing this doctrine. Uh, he has determined that you come to him by faith. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but, but, but uh, he has immutable, eternal plans, and they exist. I want to bring this to a close because I've gone too far, but I, I'm hoping we did. I'm hoping we have introduced this subject in, in a good way uh, because it's much maligned. Once you start talking about the doctrine of decrees or eternal decrees, uh, we don't see it properly. We want, we, 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 we want to assert something more uh, about 
the power of our own, the glory of our own or whatever. But we have to start with what, what it actually says about God. Um, I'm just going to stop there. I, I, I don't have time to get into this next thought. But we want to connect this with his lordship. Uh, maybe I do have time real quick. It, 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 all the lordship attributes are seen here. Uh, his attribute of control uh, is definitely seen in his decrees. He is not, he is guiding history, whether it's, whether it's politics or all these things, or whether it's Joseph getting beaten up and thrown into a pit. He, he, was, he was working that towards his own end. Uh, we see his authority. Uh, he has given meaning. There's meaning to these things because he's decreed them. And he is he and, and those things are meaningful now because God has established a meaning for them. They're not just random things happening like in a in the theory of evolution. Randomness, randomness. Oh, now we have purpose. <laughs> no, it's purpose and therefore purpose. Purpose here at the root has brought purpose in the fruit. Amen. So so we're we're, we're talking about meaning. What you're going through right now has meaning. It's meaning that was established by God. So it, is, it comes from His authority because it comes from His wise planning. He is not a fool. He is wise. He is the only wise. And He knows what needs to be. So it's, yeah. So, so, he, so what we're going through has meaning. So we see His control. We see His authority. And we see his presence, the three lordship attributes. Uh, he's present with his creatures. Uh, uh, what we were talking about, uh, because all of these establish a relationship, especially with those that love him. Romans eight twenty eight. There is a there is a covenant relationship that being described. All these things about him being. Us being in his mind when he was on the cross, us being in his mind before he created the world, that's an established relationship and it tells about a covenant presence here that we're, when we're describing these things. What did he say to Jeremiah? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you and, made, and ordained you a prophet to the nations. Everything from his birth to his vocation, God was in control of. Or as Paul would say in Ephesians 1.4, chosen before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. I hope you got something from the word of God this morning, and I want to just kind of establish this. We're going to talk about some hard things. We're going to talk about election starting next week. Yeah, not not the election, <laughs> but we're we're gonna we're, now. I'm not going to tell you all that you did not make a choice in salvation. I'm not going to go that far, but we can't pretend like the Bible the Bible does not declare God was making choices, and those choices are important for our understanding of things. Uh, and so we're going to get into that next week. We're going to try to make sense of it the best we can, and. Uh, and then we're going to talk about, a couple weeks from now, how do we understand people like Judas? How do we understand reprobation? How do we understand Esau? How do we understand some of these things? Has God 
chosen people for destruction? Well, we're, we're going to have to answer that because the Bible is not shy about trying to answer those things as well. Uh, so we have to understand that from God's wise planning of all things. And uh, it's going to be fun, and you all may get angry, you all may get mad, you all may throw things, uh, which is always fun. But, we're gonna, but right now I hope you at least see the comfort of this great doctrine. And, uh, and that doesn't mean there's not questions left, really hard questions to answer. But for right now, um, any questions, complaints, or grievances? No. Amen. Yep. We Yeah. Yep, and it's all based upon him. <laughs> all by grace. Um Yeah, I mean he we live in a world that is filled with purpose. We are living lives that are filled with purpose. Not purposes we create conventionally in our own mind, but purposes He established before we were ever born. That's the kind of world we live in, and I would not want to live in any other kind of world than the world God has created for you and me. I, I couldn't fathom living in a purposeless, purposeless life, in a purposeless world of random reactions that are happening all around us and we're just lost in this void. Yeah, that's exactly what they teach. Yeah. Can you imagine a more, a, 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 more, a, a more terrible message to give people? This book is superior. This God that this book talks about has, has indeed made this world where the acorn that falls has a purpose. There is not a bird that falls to the ground that does so without the Heavenly Father. Amen? There is not, a, <laughs> there is not a, anything that happens that's not according to His Eternal decrees. We have purpose in our lives. Purpose in our sufferings. Purpose in our joys. Purpose in everything. It's a wonderful, wonderful... I, I would not trade this doctrine for the world. I wouldn't. And that doesn't mean it's not going to say some hard things and I'm not going to have questions. <laughs> Lord, what about... I'm going to have those. But, okay, I, I'm, just, I'm just pontificating now. I'm sorry. Any other questions or complaints? Well, are those categories spoken about in the scriptures? Yeah. Um, that's going to that's gonna really have to be unpacked as we start talking about the ideas of salvation and reprobation and and who, who then can be saved is a, is a big question.
But we can't be saved without him. <laughs> That's for sure. Those are some deep subjects, and we're going to get into them here as we talk about this great doctrine. But uh, hopefully I've enticed you a little bit with just the wonderful truth of it before we get into the deeper questions of what about this, what about that, what about that. All right, we've got about 10 minutes before the next hour.